Join us at our annual conferences in London, Florida and Sydney to learn everything you need to know about ITAM in the cloud era. For more details, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review and welcome to this uh, this podcast with Terry Divelbliss from Arison. And uh, I've known Terry for a um, very long time. I, I think, I'm just trying to think, Terry, um, I've always ever known you at Arison. I don't think I ever knew you before. I don't know if you did anything before, Arison, um, but very much a warm welcome to the podcast. Um, could, you. You tell, could you tell the listeners, could you introduce yourself and maybe, um, uh, could, could you, how long have you been at Arison? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been with Arison for about 14 and a half years now, believe it or not. I find that hard to believe. Um, I've had various roles from product management to um, customer relations, and at the present time, I'm the uh, vice president of marketing and technical alliances. Uh, working with and establishing partnerships with different vendors. And prior to that, I was in the, uh, the asset management space probably since the summer of 1998, I believe, or 99, um, had been with um, other asset management providers. Originally, it was uh, Janus Technologies, was acquired by Introware, which was then acquired by Computer Associates. And then that led me into uh, working with Ericsson. I think so I, I've, I've always seen you, Terry, when, when we go to, when the ITAM review visits the IAITAM conferences in the US, you're typically exactly. on, the, on the booth there uh, flying the Arison flag. Um, and so, so how did you get into Arison in the first place? How did that opportunity arise? When I was working for, it would have been Intraware by then at the time, prior to the CA acquisition, um, Intraware had been working with um, two of the principals from uh, Arison at the time. Um, what it really was was in the early pioneering days of entitlements management, uh, Arison had been introducing a tool that was eventually their, the Enterprise EM offering, which is today our continuous license reconciliation tools. Uh, but what it really was was one of the gentlemen had been working for Corpsoft, which was one of the big VAR, one of the software resellers back in the day, and he headed up a an audit preparation team, if you will, and help customers get to their effective license positions. And they were doing all this manually, where he had a whole team and they would work with customer resources and get the stacks of invoices and receipts. Um, and they would start going through all those and comparing it to discovery data. And Arison had developed the early versions of the automated reconciliation tool. And they were working with Intraware um, from the lifecycle information from Intraware, combining it with Arison Discovery and this new reconciliation tool. And it really was that pilot and POC is where I first worked with the folks from Arison. And then when the uh, CA acquisition came along and I was redundant product management, um, within a couple of months I was a valued member of the Arison team. And I've been here, like I said, uh, well over 14 years at this point. Cool. I um, 
I remember coming across Erison first of all uh, in the early 2000s. This this is way before I met you, Terry. Um, <laughs> when I think I was working for a company called Centennial Software, which was a discovery tool in, based out of the UK. Uh, it's discovery inventory, and we were competing in the MOD, uh, which yes. you, which you went on to win. Uh, not not that I'm bitter at all, Terry. Uh, <laughs> but but you you um you guys won that one and I think you, if I correct me if I'm wrong you're still in there aren't you? Yes, we are. Yeah, and that's that's a good 15 years ago, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting that uh, you know one of um, that they have uh, been using us not only for asset management functions but I think they were one of the first really really large organizations that used us for security related purposes as well. And you know, being able to try to avoid vulnerabilities or being able to uh, use the data and the infrastructure to mitigate and correct those um, vulnerabilities, um, you know, if anything popped up. So yeah, we've been with them for a long, long time. So for the listeners that are not familiar, and, and um, forgive my being brutal here, Terry, but a lot of people outside the U.S. might not have heard of you. Um, you you're well known in the U.S., but perhaps not so much in in Europe. So. Um, could you give a, an introduction for somebody's brand new to Arison, never heard of Arison? What, what are you and what do you do, and uh, maybe a little bit of the history of the company? Sure, I'll do my best to keep this brief. <laughs> Let me give that introduction though. Um, okay, so Arison really is focused on really one thing and one thing only: IT asset management and software asset management as well. Uh, really, since it was uh, since it was founded. And we really do date back to probably 1996. Is probably the, that's the commonly referred to date internally. Uh, we were founded as part of a project at Lucent Technologies, which was new at the time. It was AT&T and Bell Labs and everything coming together at the time uh, in New Jersey. And really our founders of the company, they came up with a discovery process, a relatively unique one, um, one that we still utilize today, uh, that really let them come up with one of the very first, if not the first, automated discovery um, throughout you know, IT networks and doing that kind of inventory. And one of the things that I think was very valuable about that, you know, even back then, was the fact that um, was the fact that, that network was worldwide. You know, it, was, it was literally global. It had 300,000 plus computers is what they came up with at the end, servers and desktops of all types. I don't think they expected that or even knew that when they went into it, but it came back, and that was just a massive sized inventory right from the beginning. And that was also really the birthplace of Unix, multiple flavors of Unix. So all these data center platforms and uh, Unix discovery took place with us you know, right from the very beginning. So you know, we've been in these big data center environments and global networks really from the start. So uh, at a certain point, a couple years later, uh, Aerosynth itself spun off as an independent entity from Lucent and you know, really refined what the discovery was doing in the software utilization. And they had a really good approach to the software recognition and the audit file and the data normalization. So these are all things we've done really just you know from the get-go. Um, and right away, a number of organizations that were really good-sized, including the MOD back then, you know, brought us in and they really started using us for asset management. Uh, configuration and operations work, and then, like I said, with the MOD for security as well. And then um, I'd mentioned this earlier too was um, the entitlements side of things. 
clear back in 2004, and I think this was around the same time that um, one of the other early competitors started to step into this market too, we went beyond doing discovery and utilization and brought in that license reconciliation tool that I mentioned that really reduced the time and the manual labor that was required to come up with an effective license position, you know, regardless of what the vendor was. So, you know, we were looking at doing a license position based on looking at purchase data and purchase records and the entitlements that a company bought and looking and comparing that against their installations, but we automatically brought in a lot of algorithms and rules, upgrade and downgrade rights and things like that to get an accurate result. Somebody wasn't sitting there with the manual or the book for the licensing, we had a lot of that built in and it saved a ton of time. And then related to that, we brought in a life cycle management repository the next year in 2005, and that was actually for um, an older client we had in the UK that was since acquired, but we brought in that lifecycle repository to do that ownership management, um, contract management, financials, all that kind of stuff that didn't really depend on discovery was all conducted there. Um, we brought in also what we call our App Store Plus portal as customers got more and more mature. You know, we added that process workflow to it, things like employee self-service, um, license harvesting, a lot of other things that could really be automated there. And then we really started at that time to expand the things that apply to licensing rules back in 2004 changed over time. You had things like um, IBM and Oracle and SAP. They were all adding more complex licensing with a lot more rules. And then the move to the cloud. So we've certainly moved along with that. Um, and most recently, really, we brought in what we call our ITpedia, which is a product library that has a lot of non-discoverable attributes um, that you can use. It's millions of products in there. But it really helps having that library there. It can supplement your purchase data. It can supplement discovery data and help you build records in a repository or a CMDV, a procurement system, or other SAM tools so that you're, everything's talking with a common language, common naming conventions, and you fill those gaps. And um, one of the things there, and Martin, I've mentioned this to you in the past, we've gotten a lot of interest in end of life, and end of support, date information from publishers and manufacturers so that companies can get, they can basically sunset and plan ahead and get these older applications upgraded or out of there before they're no longer supported when you can't get a patch because of course, you know, Murphy's Law, that'll be the first thing where, you know, somebody finds that vulnerability and you can't patch it or fix it. So that end of support and end of life date has been very, very important. And the bottom line, I guess, is with the solutions that we bring to the table, you know, our customers really do save a lot uh, on their annual software spend. Uh, when you look at the publisher audits, you know, we really help them reduce that risk or be in a really good place to push back and say, look, we've really proactively tracked and in good faith with really good data. We've kept tabs on this. We're probably not your best audit target. Um, we help them with their security risks as well to help minimize that and really to help uh, improve their processes and get a lot more efficient with the savings that come along with that. So. There's the mini novel on the, the history of how our solutions came into play. Cool. Okay. So back in um, October, September, October last year, Terry, we did the Sam Tools Universe, which you guys participated in, and we had the likes of uh, Espera, Brainware, Concord, Flexera, HP, Landesk, and Snow in there, and we did our our equivalent of the Gartner Magic Quadrant for Sam Tools, basically. And um, Ericsson scored very well in that and came quite furthest right in terms of the 
the um, the, um, the final results. Um, why do you think Arison scored so highly? What, what do you what do you put that down to? Okay, um, I think one of the major areas there is that our solutions really do um, they're, they're broad. We cover a whole lot of areas involved in SAM and IT asset management, and also in a number of those areas. We're also pretty deep there, just because, again, we've been doing this for a long, long time, grown along with customers, um, and we're constantly evolving as the market's growing, you know, cloud and mobile platforms being a good example, where, you know, we've moved right along into those as the market changed. And I really think, too, that, you know, and certainly with the customer satisfaction side of things with this, um, we've really grown in tandem with a lot of our longtime customers. We helped them, you know, meet their new challenges as those came up and they arose over time. You know, sometimes we'd be telling them, hey, here's the direction we're going. You need to look at this. And other times they'd raise their hand and go, hey, we're seeing something here we've never seen before. Are you aware of this? Are you taking care of it? And most of the time we were. And sometimes we learn, you know, from the customers running into these things right up front because, you know, with, with the nature of being as large as some of these customers are, some of them really are on the cutting edge and are able to get visibility into some upcoming changes from publishers before we even necessarily see them. Um, I think that for these customers too, basically our tools work as advertised, so when they have expectations when they sign an agreement, we deliver what they expected, um, and that certainly helps a lot as well. Um, and they really do, I think, work enjoy working with us. Um, a lot of our staff's been here as long as I have, and uh, you know, we take a pretty personal approach to how we do technical uh, evaluations and POCs, and you know, and then we maintain that relationship moving forward. So um, I think the fact that um, you know we win evaluations based on the technical evals and the POCs, but I really think the fact that they genuinely enjoy working with our team, you know, counts for a lot, and that really does mean a lot to us as well. So what are you um, currently working on? What's on the Arisent roadmap? You, you have a competitive solution as of mm -hmm. last year with our report, but what's you need to keep that fresh, don't you? And I'm sure you're being bombarded with requests all the time. So what's what's on the Aerosol roadmap for development or what, what's on the release cycle? Let's talk about a couple of key things. I think a couple of the more exciting things that we're doing this year are uh, the MDM, the Mobile Device Management or Enterprise Mobility Management, EMM, uh, as it's called now, side of things. Um, we've had we've had agents for years around Blackberries, iOS, um, Android platforms for the discovery side of things, but really we realized over time that's not enough. Um, where the mobility management tools have come into play, um, it, it, it's huge. We've seen you know within our own customer base far more reliance even for asset management processes on tablets and smartphones and things like that. So what we did is instead of trying to um, be, you know, product number 200 coming into the EMM space, uh, we've partnered with IBM, um, their FiberLink um, Mass 360 tool, to help us create uh, Aerosense Mobility Manager. And what that's going to give us the ability to do is our customers can now see all of their assets, whether they're servers, laptops, desktops, network equipment, licenses, and now mobile devices, all in a single view uh, within the database and that interface. Uh, and it helps manage them, everything from deployment, upgrade, upgrades, um, security on mobile devices, um, 
policy management, you know, what are things you're allowed to have? What if, what if it's a BYOD device versus a corporate owned device and enforcing those policies, doing selective data wiping, um, data plan, expense management, all those sort of things that really help you get the most out of those mobile devices. And, and just like you would with traditional licensing and assets, making sure that you're not leaving money on the table or wasting it due to poor practices. So we're very excited. We're going to be introducing that formally, I believe, at the ITM um, ACE conference in Las Vegas in early May. So that's that's one great one that we're very, very excited about. Um, see, other key things that we're looking at right now is really, again, just like with the mobile platforms, the cloud platforms are very, very important to us as well. So we've introduced very recently um, a formal module around this called CLR for cloud applications. Uh, what it's done is basically a one-stop shop for everything what, you need. What's, what's, can, you, can you expand on CLR for people that are not familiar with that? Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, if you remember, I talked about earlier about the entitlements module that we came up with years ago. This has grown into what we call our continuous license reconciliation functionality. And we tend to have a CLR for each major publisher. Um, you know, we have one for IBM, one for Oracle, one for Microsoft. Um, that really is a one-stop shop where I could go, if, if I work with that vendor all the time, let's say I'm a Microsoft specialist, I would probably live within CLR for Microsoft applications where you could see your contracts, your purchases, your spend, your installations, usage data, your latest and greatest and even historical effective license positions for Microsoft tools. And that's really where the uh, the license reconciliation takes place and also any optimization modeling as well. So that's really what the CLRs have matured and grown into. And we've created one of those that's just for cloud applications. And the way we've designed it, instead of having separate ones for Adobe Creative Cloud or for Office 365 or things like that, any cloud-based app can be managed here. We do detection, the license reconciliation and all the reporting. We're looking at users who have been permitted or assigned to use the cloud licenses versus who is actually using them. Are there exceptions where, hey, the numbers are right, but it's the wrong people? Are there overages where somehow we've thwarted the license manager and we're using way more than we're licensed for? Um, and we use different methodologies, really three different methodologies to get that information. And that's why we're able to do it all within um, you know, one CLR for cloud applications module. But we're very excited to have that level of coverage and reporting now. And like everybody else, you know, our customers are absolutely moving in that direction. It's bringing them a whole lot of value. Um, one other area we're introducing, you know, probably within the next several weeks, um, is form we're formally introducing our uh, CLR for SAP applications. Uh, once again, like with a number of other, let's just say within the SAM space, there were very few um, um, built in-house um, SAP optimization tools and, and like other vendors in the space we're offering a product from a vendor who's done this for an awful long time and has expertise and the organization is called Expandion. So while we've had CLR for SAP applications and have been able to detect SAP apps in the past, um, we're now able to offer that license analysis where you can get massive amounts of savings because you're able to see that you know, you've been using, you know, X number of professional licenses, but your human users and your indirect system users, you know, really don't have that much activity. 
Um, you can give them a much lower cost type of license to do their job based on their history. Um, and you can save literally hundreds of thousands, if not more, immediately the first time you use the tool. So we're very, very excited um, for the customers in our customer base and prospects who have large SAP installations. This is a very big deal. So we're very excited to bring that to the table. SAP seems to be very hot at the moment. There's a big, um, big court case going through in the UK with um, Diageo, the drinks group, uh, recently that's, that's uh, stirred up a lot of interest. So, um, so yeah, your, your release is very timely. So um, if we look back to the um, Samsung's Universe report, part of the yes. scoring was based on customer satisfaction uh, mm -hmm. and how, you know, it's not just about what, what products you offer, but also, uh, you know, what your customers value and, and how they evaluate your performance. And looking sure. at some of the reviews we had for Aerosynth, on Tools Advisor, which are published and anyone can look at, they come from real customers verified by us. Um, it's clear that you're quite the company's quite fanatical about customer service and, and happy customers. Where does where does that come from? Where does because not every company's like that. Uh, so sure. a, a lot of companies talk a good game in terms of customer support, but you've you're obviously walking the talk. So what's what's happening there? I think there are a couple factors that come into play there. Um, the fact that, as we've talked about, we had some pretty long-term relationships with, with a, a good number of our customers right now. Some of them have been with us for 14, 15 years or longer. And the nice thing is, as I mentioned earlier, we've kind of evolved along with them as the market changed, the needs and requirements changed. And there's a lot that comes from that coordination and cooperation. Um, but one of the things that we do, um, and we've, we've done this really from day one, and it's obviously paid dividends, is that from the very beginning, sometimes even before a proof of concept or a technical eval, we will assign a specific tech support team member to an account at that point in time. And in addition to their product project manager that they're working with, this is really their technical go-to person, whether it's during an initial implementation, when they do upgrades, or if they have any incidents or issues that come up at all, this is who you go to. You're not going to a, a generic 800 number or an email mailbox and have somebody pick up and go, well, yeah, tell me about your system, tell me about your environment, tell me about your problem. These people already know. They started with you from the very beginning. They know your history, and that really does save a lot of time and aggravation when you're doing problem identification and resolution, and you get this comfortable familiarity, if you will, of this person, you know, even though we do have 24/7 coverage that will, you know, help guide and work on resolution around the clock, you know who your tech support person is going to be. And um, I think there's one more factor here too. Um, and we're really working to, as we grow and evolve, we're trying to keep this feel and this level of engagement. Is that we've really engaged directly with every single customer since the company started. We haven't ever gotten to the point where we had um, where we would just hand off our engagements or implementations to uh, third-party you know, MSPs or implementation partners. We personally know the users of our tool sets at each customer, and they know us personally as well, multiple team members. And you know, I think if we had thousands of customers where everything was done through channel partners or a lot of it, we wouldn't be able to maintain those kinds of relationships. And thankfully, you know, that was something that was reflected in the, um, you know, in the Samples universe. And uh, once again, we're really grateful for that. 
Well, it's obviously, obviously paying dividends, that approach. So um, final question I have for you, Terry, it, um, in this brief introduction to Arison is um, about your relationship with ServiceNow. So um, just as a primer for people that are not familiar with the, the IT service management market, there's big guns like ServiceNow, BMC, uh, Sherwell, are up and coming player. And they don't typically do SAM very well, so they integrate with the likes of Arison and other tools. And ServiceNow is one of those, and it has a marketplace of a number of different tools that you can plug into ServiceNow that does SAM. Um, now, there's there's rumors, and I'd like you to. It'd be great if you could clarify some of these rumors, Terry. Uh, rumors okay. about uh, rumors about Arison being bought by ServiceNow or um, Arison being favoured technology. Uh, and all and and ServiceNow reps taking Arison over any other tool into accounts. Can we hear straight from the horse's mouth, as it were? What's the situation with ServiceNow? Okay, yeah, we've heard some um, we've heard some rumors and things as well, where we've been like, well, that that's news to us. But um, <laughs> as far as us being acquired by ServiceNow or um, other you know other kind of super tight relationship like that. There's really nothing for us to really, you know, confirm or deny um, at this point in time because I don't know that we're doing things that are exceptionally different from what a number of our competitors are doing. Um, what I can tell you is, you know, we are offering integration and different SAM solutions that really fill some gaps or complement what ServiceNow provides, you know, both their CMDB and even their asset management modules. And these are things that I know a number of our key competitors have, have done as well. Um, you know, whether it's discovery, software utilization, uh, different kinds of normalization, and even that ITpedia I mentioned, that non-discoverable information that comes in really handy, those are the kind of things we're offering to their customers right now. What I will say, um, you mentioned something about, um, I think about how you phrased it, but we're really in a pretty desirable position right now um, because over time, a number of our competitors, for various reasons, um, have ended up with a strained relationship with ServiceNow. So, um, why why are there strained relationships uh, with these other SAM tools with the ServiceNow community? I, I think there are really a couple things that come into play. One of them is the fact that there's seems to be a blurred line or a dotted line at some point between you know what's what service management, what's asset management, what's SAM. And I think there's a, a crossing of the boundaries at times. I think there were some cases of that where, you know, the, the, the SAM tool said, well, you know, we can do that part too. You don't need that module from ServiceNow or, or you know, another, another ITSM vendor. We can do all that. And that didn't sit well necessarily with the ITSM tool teams. There were other cases where there were different um, POCs or even engagements where after a certain period of time, they weren't getting the results that they were looking for. And... And basically, you know, you, you get burned and you stop going to that source necessarily. Um, and that's the case. And there are other cases, too, where, once again, there were customers, when I, if I talk about the sticker shock uh, type of things, where certain in the first phases of your CMDB and you're first setting it up and you want to get it normalized and make sure it's complete, that's what you really are focusing on. There are other IT product libraries out there that have some very advanced functionality and the price tag that goes with it. But you know what, until you get to maybe the second or the third year necessarily and really get a fine-tuned machine, 
you don't need all that and you know they're being quoted for all that functionality when that's not really what they needed and they're getting sticker shock and we've been able to come in and say look we'll give you exactly what you're looking for for so much less um, it's worked very well now we're in a very fortunate position as I mentioned though because their asset management team at ServiceNow is bringing us into opportunities where we're a good fit so like I said we're fortunate to be in that position and we're doing our best with you know with the customers that we're working with there we're trying to impress the ServiceNow team you know and build up that good word of mouth and we're trying to impress those new pro uh, prospects and those new clients just like we've always done so and that's where we really stand right now Martin so we're in a, a very good position with them um, you know nothing's guaranteed forever but um, you know we're happy to be in this position we're going to do our best to grow off of it and uh, maintain and do our best to keep everybody really really happy with our solutions so maybe a question that you might not be able to answer Terry but uh, okay I forget what letter service now is on um, F or G or whatever the I think they're up to like Istanbul right now they're up to the eyes I believe right now right so yeah. and, and there's normally a release cycle around knowledge type I'm not sure yeah. I'm out of touch of what, what the um, release cycle is but are they likely to bring out their own ITAM solution uh, that does SAM and all these things at some point in the future do you think is that on the horizon I would say it's a lucrative enough space that they'd be foolish not to look at doing something like that but I will say from our experience and just the them continuously reaching out to us, if they were introducing something of their own, I would think that that activity for us would start to trickle off, and we're really not seeing that. So I think right now um, partnering is the right way to go to you know get the maximum functionality out of it. So anything could happen, I guess, but at this point, uh, based on what we've been seeing, um, the opportunity for the partners in the SAM space is uh, very, very strong with them. And why are you winning in, uh, you've mentioned sticker shock and you can offer, you know, we won't go into pricing, but why why can you offer more compelling POC than anyone else, do you think? Like I said, I think it's really the, the breadth of the solution. We, we actually go in and really do, um, most of our POCs are honestly still very much SAM driven and that's been the case in the market space for probably at least the past four years. But we're able to go in and um, sell the value of the fact that we have that lifecycle repository for all those other things. What about hardware and being able to track the legal and financial aspects of hardware disposition? Um, you have all the SAM where we now have the full coverage, um, a lot of things around security, the, the complex licensing, the fact that we can include and bring the normalization and the ITpedia with us. And I think that we're probably broader, I would say, than anybody else in the SAM space today. And that really, really, uh, you know, that certainly helps us um, from from that standpoint. There's no question about that. Thank you very much for your time today, Terry. Um, for people that want to learn more, you can find uh, Terry on LinkedIn uh, or, or go to the Aerocent website, which is eracent.com. Um, and you can learn more. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, Terry, very much for your time, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Join us at our annual conferences in London, Florida, and Sydney to learn everything you need to know about ITAM in the cloud era. For more details, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events.